Hi, y'all, and welcome back to All Swell, the student-led podcast on the American Shoreline Podcast Network and in association with the Coastal Society. Happy New Year. Uh, I'm sitting here with Kira on the Outer Banks at our office at CSI, and we just wanted to give you guys a couple updates about us. Um, Back in November, I attended the North Carolina Coastal Conference in Raleigh, North Carolina, and this was the third time I've attended this conference, and the second time I've shown a poster. It was really nice to kind of get back and be in in in-person conferences again, and uh, I really enjoy this conference because it just focused on North Carolina and kind of the needs Um, and outcomes of different research projects that are going on. And a lot of times I often get to see former classmates and colleagues. We had a couple of our TCS members um, do lightning talks this year to showcase their work. And we normally are very fortunate to get to eat some local seafood as well. And that leads to a great discussion um, about coastal health. Uh, as well in in emerging contaminants, which everybody knows is kind of my favorite thing to talk about. And uh, a large focus of this year's conference was the need for interdisciplinary work and community collaboration. That's something we really pride ourselves on um, at this podcast is making sure that our work can be applied and involves uh, the community. And this year I spent a lot of time catching up with old friends. Shout out to my, uh, all my friends from Wilmington and the UNCW people. Um, and we were really excited to see each other, um, but we kind of got on the subject of difficulties um, in marine science and kind of the roadblocks we've encountered in our careers. Yeah, I guess um, (laughs) not really a roadblock, but for me, uh, I guess it was mainly coming back to school after having my daughter and adjusting to the new responsibilities and juggling like the school and work and family. Um, I'm very excited though to be working on my research again. And there are really so many things, so many interesting topics to delve into. And also um, having a baby is really kind of reaffirming me that what we work uh, on and the work that we're doing is really important so that the next generation will still have access to a planet worth living on. Yeah, today's show, um, Gigi had already started talking about this, um, kind of. We wanted to go back to our roots and discuss difficulties um, that working in marine science brings um, us to. And when we were approached with this podcast, that was one of the topics that we had wanted to discuss and be more transparent on. Uh, the darker and more difficult side of marine science has been an issue that's been touched upon in previous episodes, for example, episodes 11 or 13. Um, this year, or I think 11 was in the last season still, but um, you can go back and re-listen those. Uh, every discipline, obviously, and every career path has its pros and cons. But we also want to have an open conversation and hopefully help some marine scientists or people that are looking to go into marine sciences um, along and voice some of the concerns regarding their work ethics in this field. Yeah, and so a little background, I, um, I got my undergraduate at the University of South Carolina um, and I always wanted to do marine science. I've talked about this um, on that last podcast too with Allison about, you know, kind of being from the coast and having such a love for the coast. I knew I wanted to do marine sciences, but 
I, when I entered the field in undergrad, um, I wish I would have had more realistic conversations about working in this discipline. I think I put blinders on um, just to get through my coursework and kind of just navigate being in college and a young adult. You know, that it's a really, um, I wouldn't say difficult, but you transition a lot when you go from from being in high school to then going on to college. And some people take gap years and that's great because we're all just trying to figure it out. Um, but you know, the first hurdle I think in the in the marine science career path is just tackling that coursework. You know, some people are really good um, at the academics. Some people struggle a little bit more. And um, there were times through my undergraduate where I just really questioned if I could master the material. And I think at the time as well, I didn't really see all of the application. And that's definitely gets brought up a lot about what people saying, I really enjoyed the class, but I wasn't, I didn't know how I could go apply that to the real world or, or to a job as well. Um, for me specifically was the math coursework. I um, I still just think about how difficult and how much I studied for those math exams. And, you know, when you're at a larger university, you're sometimes in classes with like 300 people. And so you need to be good at taking notes and or trust that you and shout out to a lot of the teaching assistants that are a lot of times mostly graduate students that are doing those study sessions to really help people get the material. And uh, when I was on my semester abroad, um, I was meeting other marine sciences students from, you know, mainly from the U.S., but also obviously from from Australia, where I was at, and a couple other places around the globe. And one of the number one questions I would ask them is, did their marine science program require them to take calculus too? And I really thought that that class was going to be the downfall for me and so many said no and i was like oh my gosh why why is south carolina kind of making us take this class um but you know i'm i'm still proud of myself for passing that class and while i couldn't tell you all the specific calculations um i know how important that foundation is of calculus to what we do especially you know for oceanography and a lot you know remote sensing and satellites are being used so much now and we rely on that information for so much in regards to climate change that just kind of having an understanding of equations really really was helpful uh so enough about me and my struggle with math uh, <laughs> uh kira what was one of the harder classes um that you had to take to understand coast coastal processes um i don't think i had a particular hard time with classes um i guess sure like biogeochemistry and some of the geology classes i took were very new to me because yeah I also talked about this earlier. I have a degree in economics, so I come from a complete different um, background and, and uh, discipline. But um, I knew that if I put enough work in and kept up with the material, I would be fine. And also, um, I have been TA and have taught classes before, so I know that everyone that teaches is always happy to help so if you're struggling with like a particular class reach out to your professor or lecturer and let them help you um also like Gigi just mentioned the TAs like everyone is just really um happy to to support you and it's really not a shame to ask for help 
Also, another thing that helped me a lot is like working together with other people in my course. And so in my experience, that's not only a great way to tackle um, tricky subjects as a group, kind of relying on this kind of swarm intelligence, but also to make friends. So one of my closest friends from undergrad, I only spoke to him for the first time because I didn't understand the stats problem set. And so <laughs> that's kind of, you know, so you make these connections and um, help each other out. That's you really... You will always, if you go into the marine science field, you have to know stats. You will take stats for every stage of your career and through like every degree program yes. that, that happens. And yeah, that we were actually talking about this with one of our other colleagues in our office today. And that... Uh, you know, you can really enjoy the classes, but also, you know, if you want more hands-on experience, you know, don't be afraid to email those professors and see if they have any um, stuff, if they have a lab maybe, or you just want to learn a little bit more on how it can actually be applied in the real world. Because maybe if the professor doesn't know somebody, then definitely they might have worked with somebody. I mean, nowadays, all of these grants and all the funding opportunities require professors to end up having like an outside consultant or community member that um, you know can really help you get that experience. And so when you go for like a first job interview or you're writing your cover letter, you can say, hey, I was working on this in class, but I went out into the real world um, and applied it. And uh, well, speaking of cover letters, uh, I think uh, we could not talk about the difficulties in marine science without bringing up the big elephant in the room, and that is pay. Yep. And uh, and and degrees, or you know, you can never just mm -hmm. say degree when it comes to marine science. It's always degrees. <laughs> um, uh, I uh, recently, you know, Facebook's a great place for everybody to come together and kind of voice opinions, uh, and can be a resource for finding these kind of niche jobs. And uh, I was on a marine science job board, and I saw a position that requ required a bachelor's of science, um, a paddy dive master, which if you're not familiar with diving, that is like the top level certification. And then on top of that, it required that you would also be a coral reef restoration specialist. And this job did not pay. And you really had to go look at the fine print to see that it was a volunteer position. And let me tell you, the comments were popping on this post. And, you know, this is this is the kind of position, this kind of position is, is pretty common. And it definitely creates um, inequities. You know, not everyone economically can volunteer for a full-time job. Yeah. And it, like, creates these kinds of, like dual societies where people with like privileged backgrounds can enter the job market because they can afford to live in an expensive place with no income like um, I don't know work in DC and just don't get anything and people who are part of minorities or lower income groups that are prevented the entry so they are not able to sustain themselves yeah in places like the Florida Keys and the Coral Reef, it's all pretty dandy and nice, you know, but if you don't get a paycheck, um, yeah, you can't possibly go into that. You know, I haven't applied for a lot of jobs in DC just because I know I wouldn't be able to afford rent. And I know that that's another topic um, we're going to bring up a little later, just about housing in general. But it's kind of, it is kind of a bummer when you see what 
they they say they're about to pay and um, normally too that that if you actually see a pay next to the job that it has like graduate degrees associated with it um, and to back this up I recently saw a paper published um, in the journal Frontiers called Unpaid Work in the Marine Science a snapshot of early career job market and what I found so interesting was on degree requirements that while like the paid positions, they most often like wanted a bachelor of science, but the ones that had PhDs were mainly the ones associated with, with pay. And I just want to read kind of like a little snippet of what the, what the researchers found. To better understand the real scale and nature of these positions, we reviewed relevant job offers within marine biology and conservation advertised globally in English from three random months in 2019 to 2020, both preceding and during the COVID-19 pandemic. Unpaid and pay-to-work positions were more common than paid jobs and offered mostly in economically privileged areas such as North America, um, in Europe. And I really, I, I can't underscore that enough, like pay to work positions, because that also happens where it's like either a volunteer job, but then if they don't give you housing, then you're going to have to figure out that. And what about your food? And then what about if yeah. you have to have gear? Yeah. Uh, it's just, I mean, that that's where you kind of have to, I think everybody kind of goes and they're like, well, I got to go waitress at the local little jack across the way yeah and not just that but like i mean really um it's it's kind of a, a work ethic problem for me at least um that you know those positions even exist like yeah. I, I i remember like looking into um getting an internship um with like government or non-governmental organizations um a couple of years ago and um i ended up getting a job just um or I selecting the internship that I did just because they actually paid. And um, yeah, it was it was hard to see, you know, like those are big intergovernmental organizations that are not paying their interns. They're not paying the people that work for them. And they're, they're not like, you know, your mom and pop, you know, one person NGO that, yeah. you know, tries to do something good or whatnot. No, they're actually these big, big organizations that have a lot of background and like money in the background, I guess, and they, they don't pay. And so that's like, definitely something you know um i mean we can't really solve that at this point i guess but like yeah. something to to keep in in the discussion and and also to think about even if you can afford it um what you're kind of like contributing to i guess um to like keep on like having these positions open because somebody is going to take those positions for sure yeah. but like do you really want to be the person who helps contribute to um, this like inequality? Yeah, and I, I think uh, this topic kind of overlaps with something that a lot of marine researchers end up doing if you're interested in education, and that's like marine science summer camps or just summer camp in general. I mean, you think about the those people that do those jobs, you're almost on 24-7. Sometimes you're watching kids, you know, you're responsible for them um, overnight. Um, and even if you're not, you're with them for most of the day, you're teaching. A lot of times, um, you know, you got to have the background to be able to teach these kids. You need that bachelor's of marine science to kind of 
you know, go over population ecology, or maybe you're teaching them on how, if you're on the East Coast, how barrier islands move. And so I, that's something that I, I struggled with. You know, I was in a position where I got to do that, but it wasn't realistic for more than like six months or even, I mean, it stretched out for me to be a little less than a year, but I could economically do so because I had saved money by waitressing. And, uh, you know, I just remember sitting at my undergraduate graduation though, just being like, okay, the only way you're gonna make money is if you just keep going to school for another six to eight years to get that PhD. Like I knew when I sat at that graduation, I was like, this will not be the last graduation that I go to. I, I'm, I'm here for the long haul, mm-hmm. but I, I think I was a little naive at the, at the end of year four when, mm-hmm. I, had, when I had finished that, uh, that, <laughs> that uh, time. But it, uh, some other responses from some other young uh, marine scientists, um, there's, you know, that got brought up a lot that jobs were requiring bachelor's or master's, and they wanted you to have so much ex- years of experience and still having a low pay. Um, and then another to- uh, issue people were saying was just finding a job and having enough practical experience while you're studying. Because like we mentioned previously, that coursework can be a lot. And you got to almost work as a team with your fellow marine scientists to get through it. Yeah, yeah. And like, I guess, you know, when you were saying like you needed to get a PhD, um, yeah, some things they do require this high of education. And so um, I guess um, if you want to get into this field and you have a set idea of what where you want to end up, like think about these things maybe a little bit beforehand um and but also i'm also like i'm not saying you know like you can't do it obviously everyone like you if you really put your your mind to it and you really want to do it please do it like it's not 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 to deter anyone but um it's always good to have um also like different opportunities or different um I say exit strategies. <laughs> um, pivots. 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 Thank you. Yeah, great. <laughs> Better word for that. But um, yeah, so so in case like you don't um, see yourself going down the ra- uh, road of like getting uh, an advanced graduate degree, like a PhD, because it takes a lot of time. You're going to have to, um, yeah, live a lot of years um, just barely above the poverty line maybe (laughs) if at all you know so like yeah if if that's like if you're okay with that great you know welcome but if you're not then maybe um yeah there's there's all these other opportunities you can also do you know like you can speak to mentors or people at conferences and and try to build your professional network so that you can reach out to them also way before you graduate so that way you have a good um, idea of like what kind of jobs are even out there you know what is what is it what other possibilities are there um, except for you know just going down the road of academia and um, so that way you won't be um, as kind of shocked I guess getting to the end and being like oh my god now what yeah, don't have those conversations like your last semester of undergrad either. <laughs> like I was doing my research and I, I was like talking to people about masters, but I hadn't really put a lot of thought into it 
until like that second Mm -hmm. semester. And my advisor was, you know, his main advice was um, do not continue on at this university. You know, if you go to grad school, go immerse yourself in another viewpoint of the world from other professors. He's like, we have great professors here, but he's like, you really want to expand your thinking. And for me and and how I study and I work, I definitely agreed with that viewpoint. Um, But I wish I would have asked him a couple more questions about like, you know, should I go look, should I go maybe do a job or part-time job and then waitress or, you know, to get the gig economy, you know, should I have gotten the gig economy or, you know, should I really have applied and gone and head first and, and should I have gone to a master's program where I paid or should I have waited and gotten a research position or scholarship that that paid for my you know tuition but the other thing and you I think you're going to cross this all the time like the PhD experience is like a marathon and you're going to think about quitting it's just it's part of the deal Um, you know it is okay to transition out of marine science or or just transition out of a discipline if it's something you realize that just it's, it's not for you that if you don't really have that full passion for it. Um, a lot of people that I started out with my undergraduate program um, are super successful outside of the marine sciences. Um, I think a lot of them, you know, I know some people that are now doctors, medical doctors, um, veterinarians, um, and have just, they took the really difficult coursework and kind of the drive and love for marine sciences and kind of moved over and put that good work ethic that you do learn in this discipline and put it towards other things. And, you know, sometimes you can love a subject so much, such as marine science, um, and and it's okay to walk away. Marine science is still there for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can still go to the beach and enjoy it and use the skills you learn, maybe just to tell your friends. I mean, I don't think anybody's disappointed Um, If you're out at the coast and they're like, oh, my friends are marine scientists, even if that's still not what you're doing full time. Totally. I mean, that is true for, I guess, like a lot of disciplines, right? You can always, um, a lot of things that you learn are not just, you know, these mm, topical skills, but also like all these other skills that you have, like just the persistence, you know, or or, uh, knowing how to uh, read graphs or write a paper or all these other things that you can still use in other fields. Um, but yeah. Um, or know that dolphins are indeed in the Gulf because I remember getting into an argument with a high school friend at the time. This was in high school, but mind you, I was one of those 90s Lisa Frank, you know, dolphin obsessed nerds <laughs> and got into an argument. And uh, so, you know, just to have some of that, that's like fun knowledge mm-hmm. to have or like the tides, you know? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, other other things, I guess, that are, are difficult is like if you're going into um, this field, there are a lot of um, compromises you have to make. And um, not just what we've just been talking about, kind of, you know, like economically, right? You're like, well, um, academia, at least in um, early career levels, uh, doesn't really pay much. So here we go. And then um, the um, other thing that is difficult is you then have to find a place to live. And so a lot of these marine labs and or yeah, science um, research institutes are on the coast. So that not only means that, you know, like it's nice and great and you live 
on the beach, but also there's a lot of tourists and a lot of um, Airbnbs and that oh. are, yeah, you know, like cropping up everywhere and, and making it very expensive to live there. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is like where we're at right now. The Outer Banks is is a prime vacation destination and there is no housing whatsoever. So and then let alone try to do that on a graduate salary like it's yeah. it's almost impossible if like the institutes are not helping you with yeah housing. Or, and if they do have housing, sometimes it's not conducive to um people that are in their late 20s or thirty, like in their 30s, you know, it's it's like dorm style living. And, you know, we all don't need to do that full time. You know, we go through that once, you know, maybe once in life. And uh, we're not in the military either. We're not on a we're not on a big Navy ship. It's, you know, I do I want to share a bedroom with somebody like, uh, you know, yeah. dorm style <laughs> punk beds while I'm working on my PhD? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. But yeah, in the Airbnbs is a big topic, and we probably could do a whole podcast on totally. how that has shifted the culture um, on the coast. I mean, I think that's always, yeah, ask somebody where they lived, uh, you know, during some of these marine science stuff. I mean, I've, I've lived in a trailer. Um, it, it wasn't too bad. I mean, my view was great. I saw the intercoastal <laughs> waterway, and I could, you know, hear, I loved hearing the birds. I will say that. It was like camping all the time. Um, but and it was outside of Charleston, which I wasn't paying for, but I also wasn't getting paid a ton either. I just kind of had enough money to go, you know, spend it mm. on some nice seafood at the restaurants there. But it's, you know, yeah. they, they, um, it, it's the same issue. I mean, Kira and I used to live together, um, and we would have to get like, what, September to like May housing, mm -hmm. the winter housing, and then wouldn't have to know what to do in the summer. Yep. Um, you pretty much, you just don't want to have furniture. Mm -hmm. when you're yes. a young marine scientist yes yes <laughs> and then that also goes into the next kind of thing like with with those compromises you know you live in an area that like might be pretty remote and then um for example yeah like living out here i mean we don't have that many um like that much infrastructure like there are there yeah there are restaurants there are like some things to do but there is a, a really small hospital and almost no medical specialist so like if you want to do go there then you have to drive like two hours um then also the next the other thing is is like if you're in academia um all your positions before you get tenure are um not permanent so yeah. you are there for maybe a few years if you're if it's your phd but then you're in your postdoc or whatnot then you have like a year maybe two years you have to move across the country or in a completely across the globe yeah so you have like there's all this like insecurity um and you you, you don't like you don't earn much and and you don't you're not sure of your job so like there's a lot of things um, to consider. I mean, those are not things to, you know, like we're saying that you should not totally, oh my God, because we're in this field too, right? <laughs> it can, hey, it can be a great way to travel the world though. If that, exactly, if you're, yes. If you're somebody that wants to travel, you've wanted to live on both coasts, you want to test out that thing, then 
I think it is a great opportunity because you could go from one climate to the next. For me, coming as a military brat and already having that experience in my childhood, I personally have tried to keep my jobs and my education all within the Carolinas, which has still been pretty difficult and it's still a pretty <laughs> large span of (laughs) coastline to go go around and even myself i wanted to live in the outer banks but i i personally live up in the norfolk area because of housing um and luckily one positive thing that came out of the pandemic is kind of the ability to telework but you know you're still gonna have to go and be in person some places um you know that's just if you want to stay put in one area then you do have to also then think about the long term like what jobs are available in this area yeah. in the long term and and is it the kind of job that i want to be doing as well um i know when i used to live in wilmington north carolina that was a big discussion there about what jobs in the long term for marine science are are going to be here um and and kind of speaking of long term and maybe carrie you can correct me if i'm wrong on this um Another thing, and this recently got brought up with some Mm -hmm. of our PhD students who are kind of in that, like, I could transition and get a job already or I could finish, um, is thinking about retirement. (laughs) Now, I know we've kind of gone from, like, the very beginning to do you want to go in a marine science program to to retirement. Now, I have not taken as much econ, um, but I do remember my coastal economics professor at UNCW talking about returns and that it is better to put money in sooner to grow interest on your retirement Um, and this is definitely a compromise when you choose to go into grad school yeah and i mean like you don't really um need to be i guess super apt in in economics (laughs) or any of it you know like it's definitely um you're you're enter or you're putting down money later and you're not earning money for a lot of for a long time like people um, I've been in my undergrad with that left school after their undergrad they have worked in their job for I don't know almost almost 10 years I guess like maybe eight but like still like that's a long time they made regular salaries while I'm still on a very very small pay so um, that is I mean I, I really I'm not complaining like it's it's been okay, it's been fine, um, but it's just something to think about and whether you can, you want to have that lifestyle too um, in your like, yeah, late 20s, early 30s, um, because yeah, that's that's just the, the reality of it. Um, afterwards, obviously, if you get a, a job that like is kind of connected to your, to your degree, um, hopefully you're gonna get a paycheck that like, warrants that time that you've spent in school and and you get paid more but still um, it's a long stretch and a long time to kind of yeah live just above the poverty line yeah and i mean there's always other jobs there and i think i've been really fortunate with my master's and in this program where I haven't felt the need that I completely need to be working a full other job. I've been in a fortunate enough position myself and I'm not a huge spender. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's something that you, you need to consider. You know, I just want to give a shout out to all of the um, 
college workers, the graduate assistants, teaching assistants, all out at the University of California on their system because they recently kind of went on strike because a lot of them, you know, they were teaching these kids, you know, undergrads. They were, you know, doing their own work, doing research, um, and then also working a job outside just to be able to have rent to even be living near, you know, the university. And just, you know, we're really kind of fighting and really having this conversation about, you know, how much should graduate assistants and teaching assistants get paid because they, they are like a backbone of the university. Um, and they are, a lot of them, you know, may go on and become the then tenured professors. Uh, and it really helps when you do have good professors teaching and giving on to the next the next generation. So I just wanted to give it like shout out to them because I I do have a high school classmate who's part of that system. And I'm, I'm glad y'all are bringing this um, topic to like U.S. media attention, uh, I guess I should say. Um, and so, you know, we've kind of we've kind of gone through the some of the difficulties. Um, this isn't just this is not to deter anybody. It's just to have an open and honest conversation. It's a conversation I wish I would have had, mm-hmm. I guess, when I was an undergrad. Yeah. Um, but I was distracted by football and friends and, <laughs> you know, and, and actually and, and just loving going out and playing in Pluff Mud. I mean, the, sometimes the, and some of the times some of the best days of your life could be when you're working, you know, and 12 hours of research um, with with some of your classmates and professors, but you are out in some of the most beautiful parts of the world and some of the, some of the parts of the world that not everybody gets to see. Exactly. That That is one of the big things that does come your way when you choose to go do this is that, you, you know, the ocean is like its own other planet. And yeah. a lot of people, you know, get don't get that opportunity to go out there even you know if you get to go dive or or work out there mm-hmm. um it is it is something that's really special um so kira is there any advice you would give your younger self um i mean i guess yeah <laughs> like well, like you just mentioned in terms of having thought about some of these like yeah things that we just talked about in terms of, of money, in terms of, you know, like job security, in terms of um, where do you want to live? Um, I, I wish I had spent more time actually thinking about that. Um, I'm kind of now in the process of, you know, like <laughs> with having a child, you know, at some point she wants to probably be at like the same school and not move around every year <laughs> hey, or two, you know? <laughs> it's, it's okay until like, High school. You definitely, you definitely want to go to the same high school. Awesome. I then I have like another, I don't know, 12 years or so. But at least, you know, like still um, thinking about these things early on is definitely going to help you down the road um, about, yeah. And even if something doesn't work out, if you know what you want or, or, or what you don't want, really, that's also helpful. Um, you can get to a place where, yeah, you don't need to try some so many different things before settling on one thing i guess uh, yeah that would be my advice to my younger self what about you 
Um, I think I would just tell my younger self that even the smallest jobs are opportunities for growth and that they will help you learn skills that are important for work you do now. Um, I was a server for many years um, and that taught me a lot about teamwork and people skills. That's come in handy now because my work involves sociology and anthropology, which I never would have thought I would have gotten into mm-hmm. um, when I started. And uh you know, so there were sometimes I looked at myself, you know, there were sometimes I was just serving. I did not have another job. I was not in an, I was not in a program. I didn't have any job prospects. Um, uh, the one time though, I was also part-timing giving like Wilmington historical tours on a boat and which, which, you know, was on an environmental tour boat. But most of the times I was like, oh, look at this expensive house and like, oh, guess how much this boat costs. And this woman one time, um, looked at me and asked, you know, kind of gave me my background. And, and I had just finished my master's, which I was really proud of because I loved, loved the people I worked with. Um, and this woman just like turns to me and she goes, well, are your parents proud of you? After I told her that I had just finished my master's and was waitressing and working on this boat. And I did not say anything because it was the beginning of the tour. And even my captain was like, oh my gosh, how did you not respond to that? Uh, how, but I... That's really like captivating me. Like in the back of my mind, I was like, "Yeah, I did. I waitressed. I made met some great people, and I think that is definitely the best thing that comes out of marine science is the people you meet, uh, and you you will meet some of the most amazing, magical people, and they share that love for marine science with you, and that is why we do it, and it's why we continue to do it because we want people to have that magic." going forward um, as the world changes. And so, you know, um, if you are in a marine science program or you're thinking about uh, getting into one, um, here are just some questions to think about when you're, you know, in this process. You know, does your program support or sponsor internship lab positions? So like Kira and I were mentioning earlier, getting some of the real world hands-on experience, even in the lab, which might not seem crazily applicable that can there's a lot there's a lot of labs out there there's a, a lot of state labs low you know sometimes even local labs there is work out there and, and that can come in handy for you um, can you have open conversations about mental health and be provided appropriate resources we're really fortunate I think we've been able to have these conversations in our program um, but that is something you need to to make sure um, is getting taken care of. And then are you surrounded by mentors that will help you once you leave the program? You know, you don't have to become best friends with every professor, but, um, you know, ask those professors, hey, do you think, do you think I'm, am I going on the right path? You know, and, and a good professor will lead you in the right way. Yeah, and they're also gonna be able to like put you in touch with with other people that can help you, and uh, yeah, maybe again like reaching out to other people that you know are doing like something that you would be interested to, and like ask them about like what they did to get where they are, or you know, or if they maybe like some some people also um, will yeah have the opportunity to take other people on you know like employ you or or give you an internship to then transition into the career that um is the one that you desire yeah and everybody don't compare yourself i mean i think this gets Mm. talked upon a lot but everybody is like 
on their own race. Yes. Don't measure your success with other people's and don't be worried about getting success like right at 22 or 23 when you get out the bat of one degree program because even your you probably have friends that aren't in the marine sciences they may seem like they have it all together but everybody's just trying to figure out on what they want to do because you know when you're working you spend a lot of your life working a job or jobs um, and you want to make sure you spend that that time wisely so just make sure you know you're focusing on yourself but lean on your other friends um, and support each other. Exactly. Yeah. Well, everybody, thanks um, for listening this month. Uh, we can't wait to share with y'all what we have in for the rest of 2023. We definitely got some great topics coming up, such as like climate migration, um, talking with people that you know work at these like collab collaborative um, enterprises. And um, yeah, if you have any questions or want to know more um, about the programs Kira and I have gone through, please reach out to us through our socials or our emails that are linked in our podcast bio. And thank you again. And uh, yeah, as always, where, where there's, there's a will, there's a wave. wave. <laughs>